Morning, Adam. Hello, Jack. How are you today? Excellente. Yeah, welcome, welcome. Welcome to our show here, our, our podcast. We have a whole bunch of them, too. How many do we have now, Adam? This is episode 372. Almost wow. 400, Jack. We're approaching 400. Than the than the sites. It's a big. That's a big big number. All of them good. All of them referencing a, a small business problem. By the way, my name is Jack Mancini. I'm here with my long-standing business partner Adam Sunhalter. We have a company called Maximum Value Partners, and it's a business coaching company. And the companies we we deal with are companies that. It could be in any industry, makes no difference. Could be manufacturing, could be service of, of any type and kind. Uh, it, it all works. And we try to get small companies because not many people with competence, competence is, uh, are available for small businesses. So we define that as 25 employees or less. Sales aren't uh, as important. You could have a large sales number under you know, with 10 people and you can have a small one. So we deal with smalls, 25 people or less or down to one. And uh, what we do, we take our coaching experiences with the small business owner and we roll it into a podcast. I mean, what better way to do it? You know, every subject for approaching 400 podcasts, each podcast has just about each podcast has a uh, a unique problem, and these are problems, real problems that come up during the course of their business. And we can highlight the uh, the the problem, define it, and come up with a solution that makes some sense, throws some more thinking into the game. So many small business owners don't understand business. They understand their product. They know how to make it. They start stumbling along many cases before they get better. Years go by. Most companies don't make it out of three, four years of since with, with starting time. It's because they don't have the counsel. You know, it's one thing to get all the lawyering done relative to uh, operations reports and, and filings and regulations. And that's all well and good. And there's a ton of lawyers and CPAs that do that work very well. We try to hit the nerve endings here when we come in. We basically deal with the problems that just vex these these business owners. And they can't usually get, on a comfortable basis, a solution from their uh, attorneys or, or accountants. So we have fun doing it. <clears throat> We've been quite successful. And we uh, we have a our podcast is called Dirty Secrets of Small Business. And it's uh, very true. Usually in the course of our, our preparing the podcast, they run up to maybe an hour. Not Usually not over that. Usually maybe around 40 minutes, 45 minutes. And uh, we, again, we take those and we have fun with them. So what we do, it's a, it's a, it's a, Problem-oriented session. And we have a, a podcast that we'll prepare today, and it'll be available in our system in a couple of weeks, but it'll be on, you know, in the system um, the following day. 
So Adam's going to be talking pretty soon about a bunch of stuff, a bunch of problems, a bunch of uh, <laughs> solutions. Oh. No, we yeah. have one problem right. we're going to talk about today. <laughs> um, that that problem, that problem is dealing with somebody selling their company. And we put together those those stories and those analytical, uh, what's the name, ruminations. And we've uh, good word. come up today with how do you uh, how do you sell your company to the right buyer? How do you know you've done that? Is it possible to answer that question? Well, of course it is. You know, because we answer every question. Now, is it? Percentage-wise, uh, on the money. Well, depending on how subjective it is and and uh, how widespread, how difficult it would be. So, what do you think out there? Do you think selling your small business is a drop in the in the bucket, or could it take years or if ever? And with all the consolidation and in industries going on, there's a lot of people exploring a possibility of selling your company. And we've sold several. Through our coaching uh, careers, we have we have coached several people successfully in selling their company, what it's worth, how to structure it, how to deal with the lawyers, accountants. Uh, you know, how do you work this thing? And if, if I if I have a family business and uh, I you know know my family business and my employees, many have stayed with me or from the beginning. Uh, I want to take care of them. I want to make sure the right buyer isn't going to, you know, hollow everything out day six and get rid of most of my employees. And so it's it's emotional, a lot of emotion to it, especially in the early going. A lot of embarrassment because the owners don't really understand how to direct this thing. They don't understand the numbers. So they get a very good education pretty quickly. And for them to uh, have confidence that this is the right way to go takes a lot of soul searching too. So anyway, let's get on with it. I'm going to hmm. turn this over to Adam, and he's going to talk about how the heck do we get the right buyer? That's right. Thanks, Jack. Yeah, Hello, yeah, Adam. As you know, this is called Dirty Secrets of Small Business. And so we try to bring to light a lot of things that might be kind of hidden or you know kind of held in secret or held in private and so one of the things we know that we've seen over the years and if you've been in business for a few years there's some strange things that starts to happen jack you often will get some inquiries from folks saying they're interested in buying your company you know back in the day it used to be letters or phone calls now there might be some emails that are coming across as well and you get these again random random folks out of nowhere you, know, you didn't even know you were for sale, Jack, and yet all of a sudden you're getting people inquiring about maybe interested in perhaps buying your company. And if you're like most small business owners that we know, you'll often take those inquiries and you'll store them in a file somewhere. Whether it be a physical file, you're, you're shoving them in the file folder, or whether it be an electronic file somewhere that you're they're stashing them away. But you're trying to put them in a file somewhere for when that time is right. So when that time is right, when you when you think you're ready to sell, when you're when you're when you're ready to kind of go. And so uh, this show today is to kind of talk to those folks who've determined that maybe the time is right right now. And, you know, as you try to figure out that the timing is right, how do I find who that right buyer is? 
And what does that even look like, Jack? You know, we talk about the idea of the right buyer or the best buyer. Um, I guess it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. It depends on the company too, right? I mean, if it's a family company, not, not exclusive to families, but if it is, usually there's a little more relationship involved and, and, uh, the, the importance of finding the right person with the right temperaments. You know, they only have a, a brief period of time to truly assess and evaluate somebody who's going to buy. He's got the cash. All of a sudden, that becomes a a real big deal, as it should. But you can't do it totally at the expense of longtime loyal employees, at least from our value pack. You know, we uh, – we, we look to do the right thing by as many people as possible. So, Well, you, you had mentioned, Jack, it can be very emotional. And it's a very personal uh, decision. You know, <clears throat> your point, there's a lot, of, a lot of history here. And it you know, it can almost feel like you're selling one of your kids. Right? I mean, here, you, here you've had a chance to birth this thing, and you, you've nurtured it and grown it with the idea that eventually it'll just someday be handed off to somebody else. You know, and, and it'll be able to survive on its own and do and do really well. So a big part of this, like like many things, Jack, it starts internally and starts, you know, to ask yourself some questions in terms of what's important to you. So I think something that you're kind of hinting at, we haven't, you haven't necessarily said is directly, Jack, well, hey, is getting the most money for your business? Is that where it's all at? Is that what you care about? And again, in our experience, I think that's, that's kind of what you're alluding to, Jack. Yeah, that... You know, money is important, like, you know, like in many aspects of life, money is important, Jack. But it's not necessarily the prime driver. It's a big part of this. And so, um, but again, for you, how important is that? Often we'll, we'll meet owners, Jack, and they have that number. They have a number in mind, right? And if, if you're listening, you're probably smiling to yourself or giggling to yourself. You probably have, you probably have a number too. Hey, if somebody came in and offered me, pick that number, right? Show me where to sign, Jack. Make sure you press hard. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so once in a while, but that's usually not the biggest drive. Again, you know, if it is, that's what you're trying to do. And you know, but we don't see it that way. And it's not usually the case in small businesses. There's a lot of relationships involved, like, like Jack is referring to. So it's not just necessarily all about the money. So it often comes down to people on your team. Maybe it's certain members of your team. Maybe it's all of your team. And you want to make sure that maybe they're taken care of. That's part of what you're kind of thinking about. How, how do I take care of my team? <clears throat> what does that look like? Well, what about your customers, your vendors? These folks who have been with you maybe since the beginning, or maybe since early on, and, and, and ways you've taken care of them and relationships that you've formed. Maybe you know your customers pretty well. Maybe you're Maybe you're attending their family functions or tan, you know, you, maybe you're attending weddings and parties. You know, again, you get to know these people. It becomes very, very personal. Are you thinking about them at all when it comes to this? All right. Do you want to, you know, are you planning to stay on board after the sale? You know, as part of your decision here is you're deciding that now might be the right time to sell. Is that because you're ready to tap out and say, hey, it's been fun. You all have a good time. I'll see you. Know, I'll see you when I see you, kind of thing, right? Or, hey, are you thinking about staying on board? These are, you know, these are some questions that start. To, that should start to be kind of going through 
going through your mind as you're, you're coming to this this kind of conclusion in terms of what what are those important things as I'm trying to identify, you know, what makes a good buyer for me? What makes that quote unquote right buyer for me, Jack? So there's only a handful of options here when it comes to selling your company, Jack. So yeah, there are, there, yeah, there's only, yeah, there aren't many, are there? Now there's, there's different structures and all that kind of, but just in terms of the options. So one option, and I think it's probably the most popular, um, or at least it's thought about the most, which is selling internally. And I'd say that's probably the number one option. If not number one, it's certainly one <clears> A <throat> or number two. But let's just kind of go through real quick with what the options we can kind of come back and talk about a little more in depth. So number one would, would, would be selling internally. Number two, selling externally right that's that's the other option right you have somebody internal who's part of the company or I sell to somebody external that's pretty simple right well the other option is i can just leave it up to my heirs jack let them figure it out let, yeah let them, I, I built this thing <laughs> let, let them figure out what they want to do with that right and if you're a fan of the show succession like i am um you notice that's the route that they took with that with that show and over the four seasons i mean season one starts with you know, dad, the patriarch being sick. And it goes through the several seasons where he recovers and is working through this. And he's got three kids involved in the business who are kind of fighting for it, a bunch of other people who are there. And then in season four, he, he passes away. And we see what starts happening. So we'll, come, we'll come back and, and discuss it. But those are really kind of those three options, right? It's going to be internally sell somebody, externally sell somebody, or let the heirs kind of figure it out when I'm when I'm kind of dead and gone. Is there any other option that you can think of, Jack, that, that, that kind of big picture like that, that are, you know, what other ways could I sell my company? I cannot. I mean, those are general, obviously, but they're, they're encapsulating everything it can do. So, okay. yeah, those are the three biggies. You start peeling them back now and yeah, work on them. So let's look at that, that whole internal thing. So the internal part's going to be, all right, well, Usually, we'll start with the kids. I'll come back and refer to succession here. They, 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 there were three kids who were in the business. There was a fourth kid. He wasn't involved in the business at all. He's obviously sure what was going to happen, but he, he didn't really think he'd be be the one. Um, but the, there's often kids who are involved now, whether they're physically involved in the business or not. They might they're they're around. <laughs> so if they're around. It's probably in your head somewhere. If we have them working in the business, usually that's more more of the obvious ones versus we have some key people that are part of the business. And so we've been through all those scenarios, Jack. We've been through scenarios where we've had a key person who's not related at all, but has worked for the company for, for years by the company. Or we've had the, the flip side of that, where it's been, again, it's been, let's say, family who's been involved, you know, kind of doing those things. And so how that gets structured, or, you know, and I guess I would throw in there, Jack, is something that's called an ESOP, ESOP. I'm not going to go into great detail about it, but that's an employee stock ownership plan, where basically the, you know that gives a chance for the employees to buy the company from the owner. That's but again, that's an that's an internal. So again, come back to I don't want to get involved in all the structures here, Jack. But again, I just want to talk as you're again. Keep in mind, way back here, our, our question is how do I figure out who the right buyer is? And so as we're trying to figure out, well, look. Is it somebody internally? Is that kind of what you want to do? Has that always been your dream, Jack? We've had clients that have talked about that. They start their business with the idea that I'm going to turn it over to my kids. Now, whether the kids are even born yet or the, you know, the kids are talk, or, you know, who knows? But often there are, there are a lot of owners, Jack, that think that way. I'm going to build this thing up and be able to turn it over to that next, that next generation. So is that what you're looking to do? Is that what you're looking to do? 
And that's more than half the deals happen that way, Jack. And at least in our experience, what we've seen, it's, it's, it's somebody who's internal, somebody who's already, somebody who's already there, who's part of the, part of the business. And that can be fantastic. You were talking about the whole emotional part and, and folks are involved. And there's a whole kind of continuity factor here, right? So if I'm a customer, if I'm a vendor, and Jack, you're you're selling the business, but the rest of the the, the, the people who are buying are the team that I already know and love. Well, hey, Jack, wish you luck, and it's been great, but I'm going to keep working with the team that I've gotten to know and love for the last several years who's been doing great for me. So from a customer standpoint, that can often be pretty good. You know, things stay relatively consistent and you know, kind of things that you know. So the internal part, you start looking around and say, okay, well, look, do I want to sell? Is it my prime goal? Do I have kids, relatives involved in the business? Usually it starts with them. Give them the opportunity to kind of talk about what's kind of going on versus a key employee. If you have a key employee, you're thinking that you may want to sell to them. Hey, Jack, is it too early to tell them that? Is it too early to let your key employee know that you're thinking about eventually getting out and they might be the one who helps you get out? Is that going to spook somebody? It's a tough question. Right? (laughs) (laughs) It depends on the individual, right? Right. So, you know, you can... Yeah, to sell it internally is is a good way to go if you have the, the personality in the company of being collaborative and being inclusive. You know, people just... They're they're on autopilot here, and all of a sudden they can cash out their position, and uh, that's when things get kind of exciting. And you're, you're they're thinking in in terms that they haven't never really thought before, truly about leaving the company with a pile of cash. And okay, now I'm satisfied. Now how do I take care of my top three people or whatever it may be? All right. So as we're kind of addressing some of those questions coming into this, Jack, I and mean, that's part of it so typically when we're talking about selling internally you're not going to necessarily maximize and get the highest price for the business every last dollar so if that's your goal you can still explore the internal sale but chances are it's not going to if that's your number one or prime goal is maximizing your dollars that might not be the way to go about doing it um and it's also you know a place where as we've talked about this i think before the 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 seller you know, if you're the owner now, you, you're going to be the seller. The seller often plays the bank or some portion of the bank, right, Jack, where they come in and they, they'll they give a loan to, the, to, to these internal folks, whether it be family or friends. And so it becomes pretty emotional. You want to make sure that, that, that things are going to be in good hands, right? To your point, you aren't going to do that. You aren't going to take back a, a seller note that's a big note for somebody you don't have very much confidence in, you know, in terms of that debt being, being satisfied and paid off. Make sure that that they're good at kind of running the company. So, the internal part is usually where people come to, where it's not necessarily, "Hey, I'm, I'm trying to maximize and get the most for my company. I want to get a fair price, but I, some of these other things are more important to me, and I want to have it handed over. I want it to be continued in the way that I've been doing, and I want that that legacy to kind of go on. And so, often with those internal ones, that's often how it how it tends to kind of go. So, if I, if I flip this for a second now, said so instead of looking internally, we start looking externally. So what does external mean, right? So the external is you're going to sell, might be a competitor. You know, somebody else is already in the business who you're competing against. It might be somebody who's looking to expand their offerings to get into what your your company does. And so it could be an existing company already. 
or it could be an external individual too, Jack. You know, so it could be, you know, as I, as I mentioned, it could be one of these big competitors that you're the multinational competitor. You're constantly butting heads against these folks and they come into the market and they, you know, they bring the prices down. They do they, whatever it might be. So maybe it's that, that competitor you've been complaining about for years, Jack. What if they came in knocking on the door, say, hey, Jack, remember us? We'd like to take over your company, right? Now, you get through the the gut wrenching of just how do I really want to respond to that and get you know get upset and yell at them? <laughs> so, well, hey, hold on, now I got to think about them a little differently. I'm not thinking about them as a competitor. I'm thinking about them as maybe being a a home for my business in the future. So I'm going to think about them a little bit differently. You know, so <clears throat> a lot of times we'll see folks get very emotional. Like I would never sell to that person, Jack. They don't do they don't do this. They don't do, they, whatever it might be, there's a, a litany of reasons they'll often have for why they aren't going to be selling to this person ever, right? So maybe it's not that big, bad competitor. Maybe it's, maybe it's that other owner, you know, across town or in the neighboring county that you've got to know pretty well. And hey, maybe it's her, you know, she'd be the one to be able to take you out, be able, be able to buy the business. So it could be on those. Um, or it could be, we see these a lot, Jack, and and, and I know we've got a, a number of listeners who fall in this category, kind of more of those uh, individuals who are corporate dropouts, maybe. Uh, there are folks who've always dreamed of owning their own business, yet they don't have an idea for one to start their own. So they're on the process now of going out and pursuing and looking to buy a company. So this could be an individual who has some money available. Um, almost like somebody going to shop for a house. Maybe they, they've gone to the bank and got pre-approved for a loan in terms of being able to kind of go out. And, but, you know, we see all kinds of different individuals out there as well, Jack, that will kind of come. And so we look at externally, again, um, there's some similarity where it might be an individual like it is internally, but it's going to be somebody who doesn't currently work there in the business. Or it might be some sort of kind of competitor. It could be like a kind of big multinational guy. It could be, um, this is very popular that we see as well, Jack, with private equity firms doing these roll-ups where they've got a platform company that's out there and they're just adding onto that platform or perhaps your company's big enough to be a platform itself. You know, so you start looking at the external piece in terms of what those options might be. And there's a lot of potential people out there. And so what do you know about those folks? What do you know about your competitors? You know, one of the things, Jack, we encourage all of our clients to do is to meet with their competition, to talk to their competitors, get to know their competitors. It's such a strength in, in so many ways, you know, and you learn. Both both sides learn. It's a, that's a very good suggestion. So, you know, part of the process, as Jack is mentioning, you know, and, and, and this should be a little bit of a process, you know, assuming you have a little bit of time to be able to do this. And, you know, once in a while, there's there's some health emergencies or things that happen where there's, there isn't a big time to figure this stuff out. But hopefully you got some time to kind of investigate a little bit. But start to investigate and see, well, who... Who are those competitors out there? Who might you want to be talking to? You know, you can start doing, there, there are different databases you can tap into in terms of those private equity firms, Jack. You can start to research, well, who's made investments in, in, in this area? You might be surprised to find that there are probably several dozen, if not hundreds of private equity firms that are involved in your, your business and your sector of the business in, in different ways. Maybe they have, again, maybe they have one of these platform companies that they're rolling up that's that's a competitor of yours maybe they're involved in some of the the vendors um that you see that so th that we've seen this you know just as a a brief example 
in the auto collision space. So we've been involved in that space for, for a long time, and we've been involved on both the auto collision repair shop side as well as on the, the paint distribution side. And both those industries are consolidating tremendously. So there are a bunch of small mom and pop, you know, single operators that have been out there for years in both those industries. And if you look over the last five to 10 years, Jack, a lot of that's been gobbled up into some bigger companies. And so a lot mm -hmm. of these, these smaller companies are getting a lot more of these offers, a lot more aggressive things are happening. You know, all of a sudden where maybe things were quiet in your marketplace for a while. Also now I got three or four or five people coming in and, you know, things are changing and things start to kind of happen pretty quickly. And if you haven't done any of your homework, Jack, if you haven't talked to any of these people over the years, if, if you're deathly afraid of those people, well, chances of you kind of, you know, poking your head out and kind of <laughs> seeing where things are going, it probably isn't something that, that you're going to be very comfortable doing. And, but it's, it's certainly a worthwhile pursuit just to kind of see, to see what's, to see what's out there. Um, you know, one of the, things well, the that, reason, the reason they're, they're, so apprehensive is that they don't have knowledge of what it takes and they, they can't articulate what the company is all about. And that by that, I mean, explain it in 10 minutes and, you know, don't use a lot of fancy reports and that you don't understand. Just talk about it from the heart and touch on the, the major components of what you're selling. And there's a little bit of training you work very well. You can talk to any group, be it vendors, uh, investors, uh, bankers, whoever. So that's that's pretty important. So probably the biggest attraction, Jack, of excelling externally, I guess maybe it's two things. When we talk about a deal, we talk about price and terms. And uh, a simple example, okay, um, let's say someone wants to sell, sell her business for a million dollars. Well, usually what, they, usually what she means by that is I want to sell for a million dollars today in cash, like in my bank account kind of thing, right? Like, like, like I don't want to wait for it. So my, my price is a million dollars. My terms is immediately. Well, when it comes to these selling externally, they're more most likely to be your highest price. But they're, they're, they're likely to pay you the biggest dollar amount for your business. And because they're a bigger company, they probably have better resources available. So as you're mentioning about that whole internal thing where you uh, as the seller might play the bank, you know, where you're holding paper and you're getting paid over time, um, chances are with the selling externally, you aren't going to do something like that. Now, uh, a couple of reasons. One is usually those external, those external folks or their bigger corporations, they've got, they have money available to kind of do these things. So they, they've got the credit available to kind of go borrow money to be able to do these things. But also a big part of this, Jack, is you don't have the relationship with that person that you do with those folks internally. You know, that 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 young uh, person you've groomed over the last 10 years who's now running your business, well, you have a trust relationship with that person that you do not have with those external people at all. And so, um, you know, the way you're going to handle stuff is going to be a little different. So if, if I want to get the most money for my business, I want most money now today, well, chances are you might want to be exploring that external sale. But if you're looking for, hey, I want to have my legacy go on, Jack, or all things I've built over the last 20 or 30 years continue to kind of go on and improve, and I want to see those things continue to kind of grow and happen. I want to see my people that I've 
invested in and and i want to see those things all be be done well i want to see my customers continue to kind of be treated in, in the way that we've treated them in the past if those things are, are key to you you can ask the external folks what their approach is going to be and what you'll often hear back is well, hey we're going to let things kind of go for a bit jack well you know we aren't going to come and make wholesale changes day one maybe we'll wait a few weeks or a few months for that right maybe we'll wait a few years they'll tell you different things but our experience shows that what often will happen and this comes back to what do you want to do post-sale do you want to keep working in the business or do you want to take off well in both scenarios would be internally or externally you could have options where you'd stay around for a bit or you could go away but we've had a lot of uh, we've had a number of folks jack but they have sold and stayed on with a bigger company and a couple of things happen. First off, a lot of changes start to get made. Even ones you didn't talk about or front to it, but just things start to kind of happen. Things start to consolidate. You start to change systems and peoples and processes and the way things are kind of getting done. And it may go to the point where even a year later, you don't recognize the company in terms of what's kind of going, how things are how things are happening. How important is that to you? Is that important to you? So these are things that, that we want to be kind of thinking about as we're trying to figure out, again, remember our, our question here, we're trying to figure out who, who that right buyer is or start to kind of look and start to kind of, kind of figure out. How do you start to weigh those things in terms of what's what's most important to you? What's most important to you? So I guess from that bigger picture standpoint, again, if you want to get the most money soonest, probably some version of external deals is the answer for you. If some of these other things we've been kind of talking about so far today, maybe as important or maybe more important to you, you might want to be figuring, you know, looking more at that internal. Now, if your brain's starting to ache right now, too much of this stuff, too many options, who wants to deal with all this crap, right? All right, well, Jack, option three is always an option two. I'll leave it up to my heirs to figure it out, right? And coming back to succession, that's, that's the route that, you know, even though uh, the owner was trying to do a deal externally when he passed. That's what happened. He, you know, he, he died suddenly before that deal could be consummated. And the entire season four about what happens after he passes away and how everybody starts scurrying around, trying to figure out like, who's going to be in control, who's going to run the, who's gonna, you know, that's obviously done for TV. It's a multi-billion dollar company, but there's a lot of great lessons, Jack, that come from that multi-billion dollar pretend company that are based on a lot of reality stuff that you've seen, how this stuff kind of happens. And so we've, we've been involved in situations like that where you've got, where you've got, um, we've been involved in situations like that where you've got people coming in where somebody passes away. And it can be very disruptive, very challenging for the business. So what do you do? What do you do when things are not, or, you know, if that's if you're fed up with everything, say hey, you can all figure out what I'm doing. Right not many people will choose that consciously, Jack, but it happens. And it happens by more than people realize. Yeah, I would agree. So, if you're ready to throw your hands up, that could be that could be a path you take. Um, but I'm not sure if that's the best for the people 
that are left behind. Yeah, it's almost like just letting your letting your state go into probate deck about kind of working on some more tax efficient things or other ways to kind of go about stuff. <laughs> so okay. Can't tell. Okay. <laughs> well so the question becomes for you, you start kind of thinking about this and if you figure out now is the time that you want, want to exit or you want to get, get some of your kind of planning, or again, maybe, you, maybe you've got one of those off. You know, again, those, those unsolicited inquiries are coming in. They keep coming in. And maybe you got another offer. Maybe you're starting to consider that offer in ways you hadn't considered before. What do you think, Jack? Okay. <laughs> I think... Uh... Knowing if you have the right buyer isn't an easy task, that's for sure. You, if you, if you have knowledge in your positions in companies where you are totally involved in an acquisition, you can't imagine the, the details and the kinds of things you have to really study before you make a buy. And it's doable, but these are small companies we're talking about. And the sophistication isn't as high as, uh, you know, somebody on Wall Street. So to find that right buyer, you have to have a good handle on your, your operations, your relationships. And whatever you conclude, whatever you want to do for your employees, whatever you want to do to, to uh, solidify relationships and remember people who did good things with you. Uh, you, you you have to spend some time doing some soul searching and most small business owners don't do it. They just don't have the time. They don't make the time. It's not important until health or divorces or whatever happens, usually something negative. So finding the right buyer is tough, but that's all right. That's the way it goes. That's part of the industry. So that's what I think. Yeah, like with many things in business, Jack, we can always find reasons to do something else, try something else, get distracted by day-to-day -day stuff, right? Things that are going to mm -hmm. help increase the value, do all these kind of wonderful things. But, you know, it starts with what we're discussing today in terms of finding that right buyer in terms of, you know, as, as we're talking about. So whether you want to look internally versus externally, you think you want to decide that versus don't want to do anything. A lot of folks will go, hey, you know, I'm not ready yet. That's often what will happen because this is, this is not something that can be brought up quickly. It's just, you know, has to, it, it, it's gotta be pondered, talked about. And most planning takes maybe three to five years to exit the business. This takes time to kind of plan this stuff out. So as you're thinking about this and trying to, you know, once you determine that internal versus external, then all of a sudden you start to go a little layer deeper, which we, we're not gonna cover today. Today's topic was to kind of address this and talk about it from a, from a high level in terms of how to think about this stuff. If you've decided on one of those paths, okay, then you start to kind of look and again, it comes back to a lot of those same questions. Um, what What's most important to you? All right, do you want to make sure that your team's taken care of? Whatever those options are that are, that are really key for you, that's what you want to be focused on because you can have an, an, an influence and a tremendous impact on this. And, you know, it's up to you to decide to do it. Nobody can force you to do this, but it's one of those things. And, and we wanted to kind of bring the show up because 
It's something we've seen a lot. It's happened with a lot of our clients. We know our clients are not unique in that way, Jack, because we know a lot of folks get these kind of offers. And how do you know? How do you know it's time? How do you know that you that you that you found that right buyer for your business? And that's what we want to kind of cover today. And we hope that you enjoyed the show. And as Jack mentioned, this is episode 372. So we have 371 other episodes. You can get all of them at our website, dirty secrets of smallbusiness.com. And if you go click on the episodes tab, you can search there for whatever topic you that you're looking for. And it'll feedback whatever shows we've done on that topic. If there isn't one that suits your fancy, you can uh, reach out to us. You can email us at radio at MaximumVP.com or give us a call, 330-849-0670. And we do much like we did today, put together a show uh, that covers the question because chances are, uh, if you ask the question, chances are somebody else has the same question as well. They're going to be happy that you asked to be able to get that question, uh, question answered and responded to. Better yet, if you like to get things on the podcast, you can go to your favorite podcast player, whether it be iHeart or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and search for Dirty Secrets of Small Business. You can subscribe and follow the show, and if you leave a review, that'd be fantastic as well. But you can get all the old episodes there as well. So appreciate you listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.